Welcome to the Fit Filiate Podcast, where we discuss behavior and behavior-based conversations as it applies to affiliate owners and coaches in the CrossFit space. My name's Lisa Hetherington. I'm the podcast coordinator for Fitfiliate and co-host of the podcast with Chuck Bennington and Tony Ronke, founders of Fitfiliate. We have got a great episode for you today, guys. I am super excited for this one. We were lucky enough to sit down for a conversation with the one and only Brian Shontosh, aka Tosh. Some of you in the CrossFit space will have heard about Tosh or maybe even been involved in some of his, his projects, including the Diesel Days uh, sessions. He's worked with the Travis Mannion Foundation, his Big Fish organisation, which is not, not for profits, um, which is designed to help support military service people find purpose and meaning in their lives as they transition from surface service to civilian life and try and change the trajectory where so many return service people suffer with extreme mental health issues and wind up taking the path of suicide, which is incredibly sad given that the service and sacrifice they'd already given. So Tosh is deeply passionate about in that space, deeply involved. Um, he, we also talked to Tosh today about some of the ex exciting challenges that he's done in the past, some of his work, um, you know, from being in a shipping container for 24 hours to his current challenge that he's training hard for the end of the year here and his team. Uh, there'll be four gentlemen on a boat rowing the, across the Atlantic, aiming to do it in less than 30 days. Absolutely phenomenal effort. Um, working hard for that goal and definitely chasing down a record on that. It's completely unsupported. But you could sit and listen to Tosh for hours. He covers a lot on leadership self-reflection, self-development and ownership and people taking ownership of their story and their path. It was a really powerful chat and I know that we'll definitely have Tosh on next time. If you're an affiliate owner and you have a story, we would love to talk to you as well. We would love to feature you on our podcast. If you'd like to reach out, there's a link in the show notes below. Send us a message. We would love to get you on and have a chat. We love telling the stories of the affiliate community. We're here to support the affiliate community because we believe the importance and the power of the affiliates. Before we begin, it's important to emphasize that today's discussion and all discussions on our podcast are separate from our work with Fitfiliate. And the opinions represented here do not inherently reflect our views within the organization. It is, however, our hope to regularly and continuously bring you zero cost conversations around behavior and behavior-based discussions for your consideration and utilization. Without further ado, let's get to today's episode. 17th, 17th, 19th, I don't know. And <laughs> while we uh, get the, the, the stars aligned here, welcome back to another episode of the Affiliate Podcast. Uh, joined today by Chuck and Tony. Chuck has come back from his worldwide travels. But we have a special guest today with Brian Shontosh, a.k.a. Tosh. Um, it's great to have you on, mate, and um, hear some of your adventures. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Good intro. Man, I don't ever get intros mystery. like that. That's awesome. Um, I, I welcome. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to reconnect with uh, with Tony and uh, and Chuck. I haven't seen Chuck in a while. And Tony, in a hot minute. And Tony was responsible for um, onboarding my mother into CrossFit at the age of fifty seven, fifty six. 67 oh, so um i yeah i didn't you know i didn't you know it's your mom and you only trust certain people with your mom and 
and it was just like, yeah, who can, who can I send it to? And it's like, Tony, it's a no brainer. Not to insult any of the other affiliates that were CrossFit affiliates that were in Rochester. I mean, I'm cool. It was, it's all right. We know that. It's fine. I'm just saying. It was Paradigm Fitness. There's a plug. There we go. All right, good. man. Anyways, good to be here. Good to see you guys. Happy to have you here. Happy to have you. Not, not very easy to coordinate all of our schedules, so I'm just glad that we were able to get something together, and really during our regular recording schedule, which is even better. So thanks for giving up the time. Um, who wants to who wants to start interrogating Tosh, or do I get to do it? You get to do it, I think, today. And you can take lead, and I'll, I'll pull in yeah. behind you. Um, well, so the reason I wanted to put – uh, Mr. Brian Chantosh on here, the infamous Tosh, is that I don't think, and there's a lot of really fascinating people in the CrossFit world, and he's going to decline this whole thing because it's just the way he is, but there's very few people who are as interesting as this dude is, and so I figured if we could get a little bit of his backstory and a little bit of who he is, I think a lot of people are aware of who you are now, especially for um, we'll talk about a little bit with, with the Diesel days, and then hopefully they know about the Big Fish Foundation as well, but I certainly see people talking about you more often. I think that's amazing. So if I can get the story of you, the person out there, um, the person that I know is like a really good friend, someone I consider family, that would be really cool because I think a lot of people know you through that work and that's great. And I'm glad you're getting that publicity, but you, the person is fucking fascinating. So I would like to spend some time talking about that. And I think if we can share that story, I think it'll open some doors for a lot of people. So that's why I dragged yeah. you on here. Plus, I just haven't seen your face in so long. So yeah. I've got, got, you a little, got that gray up in that beard nowadays, huh? They're racing <laughs> stripes, bro. They're racing it stripes. Good. I'm a man. I die. It it's, I just died white. I'm not actually as old as I am. I'm I'm still only in my 20s. It's fine. <laughs> guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you thinking that I'm so uh, interesting. Um, it's funny because Nicole talks about a lot. Like, I'm hard to hard to appreciate at first kind of like i don't know cigars or whiskey or something like you gotta it's an acquired taste maybe and i think i turn a lot of people off initially whether it's just um persona or whatever it is but um i find that some of the best relationships i have with people are ones that just kind of what well, which is pretty normal i suppose after time you know and it's with the people that i've turned off initially in the beginning but after time because of being forced to be together or something that there's an appreciation that starts to grow. But, um, yeah, sure. I, um, just truth. a quick background, I guess, is what you're asking. I was uh, in the Marine Corps for, for 21 years. Um, that was pretty much the bulk of my life. I retired in 2013. So now coming up on nine, 10 years, um, of trying to figure out who I am absent of that um marine corps structure you know i uh, went through a challenging transition with processing a lot of the stuff that i experienced in the military but then also with that um who am i question that uh just sort of plagues people and the more you spend time thinking about it and asking more and more questions the deeper into that hole you get and uh um, i came through it yeah what's that there's no shortage of existential crisis around these parts. Oh, yeah. And you know what's funny is I think the more that we get um, influenced or inundated with uh, that stuff via social media, I think it just creates a heightened heightened sensitivity to it all. And, yeah. and it's like, yeah, hey, hey, guess what, world? You're perfectly fucking – can I swear on this? Yeah, you yeah. perfectly can say all the shit. 
all right you're perfectly normal and what you're explaining like but i feel like you know we're just so saturated with self-help and you got to do this and you got to do that and leadership and this and that that we forget sometimes that we're all imperfect and nobody's got the answers just certain people manage your perception that make you think they have the answers and then you try to emulate them but really behind the curtain they're just a giant shit show yeah you know so um i went through that and started uh started a leadership through um experiential learning company uh, called crooked butterfly ranch and i've been doing that now since 2016 just helping people understand basically that that process and trying to teach them ways and, and methods to think of, of thinking to get them through their own self-imposed roadblocks and and things like that um increase what was performance. the uh... What was the impetus for launching that? Like, what was the thing that made you decide, you know what, I'm going to bring this to life and I'm going to make this exist in the world and we're going to put people through it because it's important. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, I, I, worked, I got out of the military and I started working for Nicole at CrossFit as a level one trainer and then doing some special projects for for Greg and Dave. Um, some, some amazing, incredible stuff there. And then uh, I was my name somehow got floated to a lady out in Philadelphia to be an event director for their triumph games. And I accepted that and basically took um, disabled veterans and put them through a a little kind of a competition up at West point. And um, it was really awesome. Um, I think it was on CBS or something like that, but whatever. And that introduced me to a couple individuals from power home remodel who were there facilitating the event and they said, Hey, would you run a, a leadership thing for our company, 250 people at Vail? And I was like, Oh wow. Like this is <laughs> like, I don't know about that. So I called a couple buddies. Cause you know, it's not, you can't have a one to 250 ratio for, for instruction. Yeah. And we designed a course over Vail and what was really cool. It was around the timing of um, the launch of Meru with uh, Jimmy Chin and Conrad. And so they brought those guys in like, this is a big, this was a a huge production. Um, So they brought those guys in as well. And I was day two, they were day one and found a knack, found an interest, I suppose, not necessarily a knack. I feel like I've got some, some competency in the leadership and motivation realm. And then um, saw that there's a, a potential business opportunity here to, have purpose in life outside of the Marine Corps again, as I was starting to stall a little bit with my interest of traveling all the time on a seminar staff and, and whatnot. So, um, and then just clients just kept asking, Hey Tosh, can you do an event for us? Can you do it for this? Can you, yeah. can you train me? And so um, it just kind of launched that way without a lot of um, pre-planning or ambition. And now I'm finding a tremendous amount of purpose, helping people, you yeah. know, find, find the ways that they can then take control of to be better for themselves. You know, so many people just give you the, the, here's the seven item checklist, just do this. And it's like, Hey, it doesn't work. If it worked, everybody'd be fine. Perfect. You know? So rather that I like um, experiential learning come and we do activities together and, and then we struggle together and then we sort out the thought processes for arriving through a scenario. Um, better off instead of just giving you hey here just do this and then sell a million copies of that because i think that's yeah. lame. Here's my ebook yeah. yeah 
I mean, to make this personal, because I'll gladly bring it back to myself, because why not? But so I think the first time I actually met you was at the games like forever ago, I think was the first place. I can't remember if that was it, but then I remember you took the seminar. But um, all that aside, the thing that I, I think the reason why we became such fast friends was that you embody this this trait that Chuck and I think is very important, which is I would consider, I, we call it surgical compassion. The thing that was very like, immediately obvious about you and one of the reasons why I personally wanted to put you on this podcast and, and is because you very much see the world unconventionally, right? You see through the same lens that everybody else sees it, but you make this choice of seeing things differently. And that for me, when I first met you was so obvious. I was like, yeah, he's my people, right? Like, and you got that because that surgical compassion thing, the thing that was so obvious is that I knew that even instantly, as soon as I met you, that like, if I asked Tosh to help me, he would help me. I might not like that help. It might not be comfortable, but we're going to get through this and we're going to get through it together. And that was so obvious. And like, that's essentially central to what we do with affiliate. And like, it's a behavior thing, right? It's like behavior and behavior based conversations, which is we don't care what you do. I want to know why you're doing it. Right. And then I'm going to help you get better at it. And so you were like, when this whole idea of a podcast came to like light, like you were actually truly the first guest. I was like, I'm bringing Tosh on this thing because you get it. And, and I think a lot of people understand it, but your ability to see things and you've seen some shit, um, be able to see things a little bit uniquely and differently, I think is, is much more received from somebody like you than people who are just like, yeah, you should definitely look for like unconventional ways to do things and pursue things and consider things. But like somebody like yourself who has been through enough other things and has He's worked with enough other people. That was the reason why we wanted you on the podcast was that essentially that that fresh Tosh perspective that you have of things, which I always thought was very refreshing. And I get it. Like you said, some people might find it to be abrasive or otherwise, but like they might not want to be helped. CrossFit gyms are very full of people who sometimes say they want to be helped, but don't want to be helped. But like there's very few people on this planet that I've met who I'm like, this motherfucker going to help. And it might hurt but it's going to help. Right. And I, and I think that you have embodied that with everything that you've touched. And I think that that's cool. Um, and so that's just essentially my experience with you. And one of the things that I hope to be able to further perpetuate from you being on here and then helping you promote whatever it is that you touch, because that message is so central to everybody's success. And they just, uh, I don't think anybody's very receptive to it. They are looking for those checklists and those quick answers and those things. And I'm like, it's probably right in front of you the whole time. Cause it's always been you let's look there first. And then, you and I, I think, hit it off that way really quickly. Yeah, yeah it was back in Carson, I think we met. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, Chuck. It was back in Carson no, no, a long time it. ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, I appreciate you recognizing that. Um, I, I do think that there was a, a real quick instant connection between the two of us as I, I try to reminisce on the spot. Um, I was thinking about it before this. I was like, where did I first meet? And I was like, I think it was in the, in the heat of California. And I think it was when I had to do one of the the experiences. And I think you were like there working it or running it or coordinating. I think it was probably like a, a thing that you would took on for HQ. I don't remember, but I remember you being there. And I was like, this dude's cool. And it just so happens that like you're from like my hometown and then I got to train your mom. And like it was just like this whole cavalcade of things. But I, I couldn't remember. I was like, I feel like I've known him forever. I don't even know where it started. That was our yeah. intersection was the, the training experience stuff at the games. Um, but, you know, probably back a little bit more to – what you guys were talking about initially just relative to the process of experiential learning and growth and discovery, how your name often comes up when Tony and I talk outside of like coaching calls and podcast episodes is really a lot of us get into fitness thinking that we're looking for fitness 
and in fitness specifically curated through CrossFit ends up teaching you a whole lot of life lessons that are otherwise hidden in plain view. And it teaches you quite a bit about yourself that you didn't know were lessons that you wanted to or needed to be taught. And you're kind of like, well, shit, here I am. Um, but where, where we found it really awesome is that like you took that and you built that as the deliberate structure for the diesel days. Like rather than us just exposing you incidentally to fitness and exercise and like physical suffering as a way to build you as a character, what if we structured the fitness program, so to speak, to elicit that as the goal rather than just like this incidental byproduct that different people get to at different times based on whether or not they're looking for it. Um, yeah, there's so so much there. Wow. Um, let me hit on something that Tony said for a second. I want to come right straight to you, Chuck. Uh, surgical compassion. It was, it's interesting to hear that phrase. Um, later in my career in the military, I, I you know, you, you start to move up the ranks or whatever in leadership capacity and function and whether I was a good leader or a bad leader or whatever, doesn't matter. Um, thought a lot about like one of my goals for me personally as a leader and then therefore what I feel like a goal for leadership should be is to care more about an individual than they care about themselves. And, you know, obviously in a, in a military framework, when you have a company, you know, 180 men and you're responsible for everything that they fail to do and, and whatnot. And it's like, Hey, and you see these young adults and you just have to really care about people have to care about human beings and I made it an effort to try to care more about them than they did themselves. And sometimes that meant um, like punishing them and reducing mm -hmm. their rank or taking away pay or whatever it was um, because you cared about them so much and you needed to correct a, a deficiency and hold, hold them accountable for learning. And you were always there to hold them while you just kicked them in the nuts. But, um, you know, and having to set a standard for the other 170 something men, because if, if you don't, make the correction here you just set the new minimum standard for somebody else and so really really later in my career i just started to think about that a lot and and caring about people more than they care about themselves and it carried on into my my manner in life in general just even outside of the marine corps you know and and i find myself thinking about that all the time today through random interactions with people on the street um, supermarket or whether they come to a diesel day event or, or whatever it is, it's just like, Hey, this is a living, breathing human being. And you, you know, you, you, you want to just try to care for them, you know, having, having a sense of compassion for them. Um, cause what they need might not necessarily be what they want. Um, yeah. the two very rarely go hand in hand succinctly. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, it was interesting for you to hear, hear you say that surgical compassion, because I think that's a really cool, cool phrase i'm pull, playing with my microphone right now that's probably not the best thing to do on camera but um yeah it's interesting for you to say that you just it, it struck with me and then um you know chuck i uh i used fitness while i was in the military about halfway through my career i really started to fall in love with fitness because i understood that being physically dominant was um a very easy and superficial way to command men's respect, especially in the infantry community, right? Um, you, you gain instant credibility when you can just crush everybody. And then, and then that gives you like the, the buffer to then expose whether or not you are morally, um, intellectually, 
spiritually sound and savvy as well to continue to gain trust and confidence um, and credibility, right? And so I just really took it on to be the 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 best at everything. Obviously, I wasn't the best at everything, but I was damn near close and, and definitely had an attitude to strive for it, to to model the way for for the other men, right? And then you know play that forward into survivability in a combat situation. Obviously, fitness, right, um, is is huge. It, you know, being able to um, mitigate human factors and environmentals as well as just being able to dominate a physical space. So, um, and that was awesome. I, I loved it. But then I, I think some point in my life, probably right around 2009, 10, 11, right in there, uh, I found that I was overdosing with fitness to uh, manage a lot of stuff that's going on inside because of experiences, <laughs> right? And and I was using that as a drug, right? I was I was over intoxicating on fitness, and it just consumed my life at the expense of a lot of things. Um, I, I gained a lot of things, but I don't think it was good. I became addicted to it, and I was using it in weird ways, right? Like to be able to chest pump and and pound in front of everybody. Look at me! I can do this! I can do that! For for ego to to I don't I don't suffer. I, I have an aversion to using that word, um, but to experience tremendous discomfort yeah. um, and hardship because then you know two things, right? Like hey, I'm going to learn from it, but then also I'm also dosing myself against all this other stuff that I'm feeling. And then, um, and that's interesting. And then I found that like, Hey, like through this, all this fitness stuff, like, what are you doing? What are you learning? Can you create? And that's how the diesel days came about was, is you start to mentor people through life, um, set the stage with a physical event to get them into this emotional space, um, and, and feeling things and then to let down their, their barriers, their obstacles, their walls, so that they expose themselves. So then you can be there with them to get into their head and figure out what's going on in their head so that you can start planting some seeds so that they can prevent them from falling into those traps in, in their everyday life, whatever that everyday life is, right? So that was the function of Diesel Day was to to masquerade a, a emotional, spiritual, intellectual event with physical fitness. Um, in order to get people to arrive at that um, that tender place, that that near vulnerable place, so that you can yeah. be there for them with compassion, to guide them and teach them, um, to learn tools through practical application in real time, right? Instead of just reading about it and thinking like, oh, hey, cool, like I'm gonna just start doing this and I'm gonna be better, and that only lasts for how long, and then then it doesn't, right? Yeah. And so I, I just really like doing that. Now I'm finding a tremendous amount of purpose and a way to connect with people um, in that, in that Avenue. You know, I was talking to a, a team guy, Clint Bruce, pretty accomplished team guy. He's living out in Dallas now. And uh, he said, you know, we had these conversations, we have these conversations or we did a couple of years ago, two years ago. And he said, Hey, what you're doing, Tosh, is you're leveraging skills that you learned on the battlefield and ball field for people to be able to apply them in the boardroom and the breakfast table. And I was like, Holy shit, Clint, Clint's a master with language and words. Like I, I just love yeah, on a shirt talk. yeah, he's, he's phenomenal. Like just to listen to hear him and how he packages words and thoughts together. It's, it's, it's really beautiful. It's, it's harmony. And, and that's what it is. It's skills that are applicable, um, battlefield, ball field, breakfast table and boardroom. Right. Yeah. Um, 
the battlefield, meaning combat, whatever your combat is, right? Whatever your hardship or experience is, the ball field is the, the field of play mm-hmm. in, in endeavors of, of activities and passion. Um, breakfast tables with your family and loved ones. And boardroom is obviously in your profession, right? And if you can build tools, processes, systems, and procedures that are able to be utilized regardless of the environment, then that's a really cool system and procedure to, to capitalize on, right? Instead of having to decode like, hey, I'm in this environment, I need to be this person, or I need to use this strategy, or I need to, like, right. if you just have one play that gets the ball running, I don't know if balls run, but like gets the gets the ball running across whatever endeavor you're in, and then you can start to adapt and evolve to the specific situation. But you got to have a, a really good baseline right the, the foundation of the pyramid and um and that's what i try to do with with my work with crooked butterfly yeah i mean i have a unique perspective into your life because i know your mother so like it's kind of cool to listen to like your backstory and hear you espouse it and talk about it but like i get the unique perspective that everybody knows tosh for tosh but like i know how tosh's mom views tosh um, which is actually fascinating. So I know what it's like and how much of your life has been um, consumed by your physical endeavors and how much that has also potentially poor Robin has been like, he's locking himself in a shipping container for 24 hours. Right. So I know, I know how driven you are to all expenses in, and I guess that brings us into this conversation about what it is that you're doing with these days. Cause like it's getting publicity. And I think that it's fantastic because it is such a powerful thing. Like it was as soon as I saw you were doing it, I was like, that's literally a no brainer for one. It's a hundred percent on brand with you. Um, but two, like I, I get it from a physical endeavor in terms of exposing vulnerabilities and getting people into that, that state of, 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 of openness, I guess. I don't like to use that word. That sounds woo woo, but of openness. And so I get it. It's just funny. Cause now in the cross world, I guess my fear is that everybody is so addicted right? Like we're so many people are on that addiction. So it's interesting to hear you mention that because I fear, I don't necessarily say with fear, it's my perception that I wonder how many people view diesel days as like some weird amount of like 24 hours of hero wad sort of rite of passage thing. And I, I hope, and maybe you can elaborate because I would love for them to realize just how immense an opportunity diesel days is above and beyond the physical suffering and what really is the intention to come out of that. Because I think sometimes it gets lost in them. They're just like, oh, it's like 24 hours of working out. I'm like, not quite. Um, you're going to have a bad time if that's what your intention is. If that yeah, that's sense. cool. It totally does. And it's, it's um, I struggle with exactly that with the branding and the image because I don't want it to run away from me. I don't want people to think because we, we put images of, you know, Dustin Virgil and James Hobart and they're all super jacked in their fitness commodities and that this is a, oh, this is just another like beat down hell week, something, something. That's military not. dude is going to beat us up. Yeah, no. Yeah. And, um, and you know, what's funny is people that don't know me, they come like, so I do, I do a lot of work with organizations and then we just had a, a big, my, my number one client, Travis Manny Foundation here a couple of weeks ago. And a couple of people is like, yeah, hey, I, I don't know if I really wanted to sign up for this expedition because Tosh is this and this and this. And it's it's like, yeah, hey, no, I'm, I'm absolutely not that really. Yeah, it, there, no. There's a persona because people are attached to, you know, your storyline. Um, but when they get to meet me, they're wow, this guy is so not that he's so not military. He 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 does have some military things and he can go there, but he's made this this amazing transition from military life into I'm not afraid of woo woo 
stuff anymore because I because I don't think it has a bad connotation in my mind. I think it's a very important because it's something that I had deliberately turned off yeah. for over 20 years of my life. Right. Um, yeah. And so, you know, fighting through that and trying to manage the brand of the Diesel Day. I mean, we, we were going to do a Diesel Day with Athena Perez and the Scaled Nation group. She came to a Diesel Day last year um, and, and we, we, we launched a video. It's on the website. You can check it out. But yeah. um, it really explains a lot more what Diesel Day is. It's, it's not a the, the physical 24 hours is mildly interesting. Um, and it's, it's really the, the masquerade, right? Because it's a, yeah. it's a spiritual and psychological event, um, teaching people tools and techniques to, to take control of their emotions and under, to accept their emotions and be able to work through them and understand why they're having an emotion or a, a conception about what they're experiencing. Um, and we teach nutrition, we teach movement, we teach um leadership all kinds of stuff we teach teamwork um those are the those are the underpinnings of what diesel day is it's just you have to do something you're just moving for 24 hours which is spooky but after i have i don't want to jinx myself 81 participants in diesel days were 81 for 81 and people completing all 24 hours with That's with amazing. no with no well catastrophic events um and i think that's a testament to the coaches that i bring in um it that's also not that surprising. People putting a lot of trust in us. Not that I want to cut you off on that. No, you're but okay. like, because that is central to that same thing that you said in the beginning about who you want to be for the people you want to be. Is that like you tend to care more about them? And so there's there's something about that environment that you can create as a person that surgical compassion and that like even when I'm doubting myself, if if Tasha's in my ear and he's in my corner and he's got my back, I'm like fuck. Fine. I'll, and listen, you've talked me into some some shitty things through like the month long mayhem things that I have admittedly never finished because I whatever and give me shit for that later. But like it, there's a there's an environment there that like movement is for sure the baseline. It is the structure. It is the charade. But like that is the baseline where all humans are humans. Right. And so through that medium, you get to get to the real thing, which is behavior. Right. And like why do you act that way? Why do you have that response? Why is that important to you? Why is it a struggle for you? And it's, you know, it's a genius way to do it. And I think it's so valuable. And I think it is really truly what happens in a micro scale in every single CrossFit gym and every single CrossFit workout. The key is whether or not they have that coach in their corner. And like for us, you'll hear us say a lot that coaching is just a transfer of belief. And a great coach is a person, they might not tell you what you want to hear, but you know that like if they're still telling you it's okay, even when you don't believe, you're like, fuck, I'm going to keep going, right? And like, that is a thing that happens when it's done really well in a CrossFit gym. And like, I know for a fact, the reason you have an 80 plus percent completion rate is that like, you won't let me fail. Like, that's why you've got me willing to be like, fuck, I'll do it. I don't want to do anything that's 24 hours long. But I was like, if Tosh tells me I can do it, I'll fucking do it. I'm not rowing a boat across the ocean. We'll talk about that. Yeah. But, Hey, I, just a side note, you you got this skinny Dave Lipson look going on. You know, those, oh. beautiful, those beautiful I, I blue know, eyes. Wait a minute, there's two backhanded compliments. <laughs> Thanks for that. Sorry, Dave, but like, um, now you just call me skinny and you call me Dave Lipson. I'm not sure how to process this. I'm not so fucking funny. Total compliment across the board, man. You know, the beautiful blue <laughs> eyes, the mohawk, you know. And then I'll be your other neighbor on the other side, and then we'll all be up on the hillside together. Oh, they and now, to now I can't unsee that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they moved, right? They've moved yeah. out of there. They're not yeah. in Florida, but yeah, you know, um, <clears throat> the CrossFit gyms are interesting. You know, it's community, right? 
Yeah. It's, it's all about community and in the feeling like you're connected to a small little tribe that's also connected to all these other little tribes that make up this giant thing this yeah. beautiful wonderful energy and, and some crossfit gyms do it better than others um and it's a function of just what's going on in there in terms of coaches and egos and the environment and, and conditions that are set and um that's one of the big things that we struggle with with diesel day with individuals they come in people come in with an ego and I'm just trying to help them understand what the ego is that it's not bad um I try to teach them what the mind's mind is actually doing um, and it feeds into an ego and, and how you need to learn to decipher the conversation between the mind and the mind's mind so that you can frame what's going on for you in, in any moment. Um, and that's really, really big. And you'll find that people come in for a diesel. They think they're going to get A, B and C out of it. They get a little of A, they get a little of B, maybe not so much C, but they get D, E, F, G, H, I, whatever the rest of the alphabet is and like, Oh my God, it was so much more than I thought. Like I got those things, but then I realized that those things are mildly interesting compared to the things that you delivered. And that excites me for people um, because I know it excites me for myself when, when I went through that, like awakening in, in my transition, you know? I think that like the whole opportunity, I mean, just even hearing you talk about it, obviously gives me goosebumps, but I also just know how passionate you are about things. So watching you lean into something is, is very cool for me, but like knowing the, the opportunity that people have to have access to somebody like you uh, in an environment like that and with an intention like that, it's pretty rare. Right. And like, it's one of those things that uh, I'm glad that it's out there. And I really hope that more people really do take it on because that opportunity is massive just in terms of the way you've put it together, laid it out, but just really they're giving them access to that environment in a safe environment, in a controlled environment. And with somebody like if more people, and this will sound like I'm blowing smoke up your ass, but if more people could meet a person like you, the amount of opportunity that they would understand exists in the world is just on the other side of their own limiting beliefs. That's the reason why you're on this podcast is that like, I obviously love you. I've always loved you. So like getting people to understand that like people like you exist and they do things like this and people like them can have a place in things like this would be awesome for us to know that like we can help funnel people to there and get them there because I know what comes out the back end of that. I'm not sure that they do because they are still, they're, they're distracted with all the what's of fitness and they've forgotten the why's and you got 24 hours of why just getting shoved down your throat you can't come out the back end without a profound level of, of respect appreciation enlightenment whatever you want to call it and i just think it's cool and then there's obviously the accomplishment of like I did that that changes complete identities yeah i mean yeah. It, you you come yeah. out of this and then you realize like oh this shitty little problem i'm facing in my everyday life that's nothing compared to what i just i can do this yeah. you know um you know i the the diesel day, there's so much more involved. Like I engage with everybody before they come to the level that they choose to self-select um, for intention setting um, to get them so that they arrive. And, and we've already started to, to form intentions. We do a period of instruction oh, uh, after a big giant family traditional feast um, here on, on our property. You're, you're at Nicole and I's private residence to do this. Um, And we talk about checking in with the left hand. It's five simple things that when you're facing some sort of struggle or adversity or challenge, just pull up your left hand and pick a finger and then dig into what that finger represents. And you'll find that you've gained the appropriate amount of momentum to start to solve. Um, 
a big thing is, is we teach uh, what's most important, what's what's of what greatest import is your response to a situation, not necessarily the situation. And we can dig into a lot of that. Um, but most of the time you find people spend a majority of their efforts articulating a, a situation, whether that's yeah. to validate their accomplishment or to mitigate their failure. And it's like, hey, who cares about the situation? Let's talk about your response. Um, you know, painting the picture of the situation is only important enough to be able to get the stage set so that we can understand what your response was and yeah. the decisions and the feelings that you were having in, in the moment, right? And after the event, we do, um, I'm, again, to whatever level of a participant chooses to self-select, um, constant engagement to process the event, whether it's a day after, two weeks after, three months after. I've got people that will reach out six, seven months later and I haven't heard from them and they just want to talk about Diesel Day and how it's changed their life or or how they're implementing the left hand in their life or they want further understanding, right? Um, and then pure pure selling point is you get 28 CEUs for your CrossFit <laughs> accreditation. Like, I mean, I don't understand yeah, why every, every CrossFit yeah. is like not coming here. You're going to get so much more out of that than just like another piece of another course to just be fed more of what you already know and that you're already looking for that a lot of it's like this quest for validation, especially when people are like, you know, moving into that L3 level of their journey. They're like, I'm totally down to go and retake a seminar I've been through two times because I get to look like a fucking superhero in the room. And you're like, you're kind of missing the point, both of yeah. continuing education and of growth. Yeah, growth mindset for sure, right? That's a huge That's a huge thing. Yeah. Um, under Carol Dweck, I mean, that's the underpinnings of, of everything that I do. Um, and, you know, I think the reason... So, you know, I'm, I'm, my time is just, I'm getting ready to um, liquidate a bunch of interests and pour my heart into both the Big Fish Foundation and um, Crooked Butterfly. And uh, that'll be coming up after, after we finish this row. So next year, I'm really looking to build out the Crooked Butterfly because right now it's really just word of mouth. We don't do a lot of promotion or advertising. And, and I think that's fine because the people that seek out something like this, you know, when they arrive, they're coming for the right reasons. Um, so I want to maintain that. But, you know, you compete with a lot of loud voices on social media, right? And most of the time, the louder the voice, the more ignorant or the less <laughs> beneficial the material is that they're you know, yeah. spouting out is opposite of like quiet <laughs> professionals, right? Like the best in the world don't need to let anybody know they're the best because the results and the practical application takes care of it. But yeah, and I, I appreciate marketing, um, but you know, and, and brand image and and whatever and doing that, and I just I'm I'm growing, I'm maturing through all of that. But um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of big names out there that I'm they're, they're really suspect, but they're jacked and they're handsome and they're aggressive and they draw an interest of a crowd and i don't i think they feed that whole not to bring in another concept of, of toxic masculinity into play yeah. um yeah. which i i constantly fight yeah. um, as a as a pet project right because I, I don't believe in that um and then the whole algorithm supports it right and then just becomes yeah. this cycle we just so, had barbara on here talking yeah. about this exact thing He's like, what a good he's like, dude. he's like, I can't make anything of actual organic content because it doesn't do anything. So I got to do influencer shit and come up half naked, and everybody watches it. He's yeah. Like, so I'll play the game. Or, or then, or also, what happens is I put something out there, and then four weeks later, I'll see somebody else, and I'm like, man, I know I don't own the thought material. 
but that just sounds like my shit because yeah. you're using the I same word and the same phrase. Yeah. And it just frustrates me. But, you know, to Bill Henniger, um, lead don't chase. You know, yeah. Bill, a significant mentor of mine, right? Rogue Fitness, a uh, fascinating human being. I love the guy. He's he's amazing. Um, you just understanding Bill's story and Rogue Fitness's story and why they exist and what they're trying to do for people and community. And, you know, he's he's just got that cool. He's like, hey, Tosh, just don't, don't worry about that shit. You know, just lead, don't chase. Lead, don't chase. And so um, that's one of the one of the things that I have written down on my desk. Um, I got a bunch of index cards all over my desk and they're, they're in no order and they're just hidden underneath all kinds of paper. But inevitably the right index card pops up to the surface when it, when the gods decide that it needs to be in your life again, or you need to be reminded. And it's like, Hey, yeah. you know, lead don't chase pops up quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. Love it. So you're obviously a person that's driven by passion and that, I guess this leads us into the big fish foundation. Um, uh, naturally, you know, you're ex-military, you were retired. So that obviously leads itself to understanding it. But maybe you can tell uh, the audience why the Big Fish Foundation, why that was so important to you, why it needed to exist and why, you know, supporting just another one wasn't going to happen. Like if you can lean into that, that passion a little bit mm. and how Diesel Day kind of relays into that as well. Yeah. Um, so a little backstory. I... I just really got tired of hearing about guys I served with guys and gals that I haven't served with, um, hanging themselves in a garage for their kid to find them or blowing their brains out at the, the, the playground in front of everybody and all the, and drinking themselves to massive amounts of inebriation and then driving their car and killing somebody else and then themselves. And I just got tired of, of hearing all of that. And so, Couple that with, I think there's a lot of well-intended but basically futile attempts at combating veteran suicide, right? Um, and yeah. it doesn't have to be veteran suicide. It's, it's all suicide. But um, yeah. And I'm going to get beat up. I get beat up every time I say it. And I say this to elicit a response. I do think a little bit more about it than what I'm going to say. But I think doing 22 push-ups and posting yourself on Instagram and tagging 22 friends is stupid. I don't think it does anything. Um, yeah. You know, and and it just, but whatever. So I issue started, awareness, right? like the ice yeah. fucking challenge and shit. Like everybody knows that these are real fucking problems, but no amount of like push-ups and tags saves the life. At least not that I'm aware of in any like quantifiable way. Well, it might, you know, who knows? But um, I, I also wonder quite a bit of how much of it is just for the influencer piece like oh cool i'm gonna get right. 10 more followers or hey i'm on social yeah. media and it's like okay cool like do your thing um but then i also grew up with phenomenal mentor pat malay he's like well you know why don't why don't you if you have a better way of doing it then why don't you do it instead of always poking holes at it poking a finger you know that's a left hand thing your index finger pointing at shit and then flip it over three ways back at you and hmm. so it's like okay great like if you have different ideas, then, then put it in, put it into play. And so I started um, a chewing tobacco company and I was going to, because what I was doing was I was, I was spending my own money, crooked butterfly <laughs> money to do events for veterans. And obviously that's not a sustainable model, right? Like, unless I was independently rich, which I'm not. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm in the red every year with crooked butterfly because I'm spending so much money just trying to do things for for my community. And um, 
I said, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start a chewing tobacco company because I like chewing tobacco and I can do this without the chemicals and stuff and it'll be cool and I'll brand it military. And, and I made a batch up and cause I, I, I make my own chewing tobacco from time to time and then I'll sell that. And then all of the money that's made from doing that as a hobby will go directly into funding veterans to attend crooked butterfly events. That way I'm not, you know, um, dissolving my funds. And I was doing that for a little bit and I went down to hang out with Bill at his ranch in Texas. And I brought some down and he loved it and thought it was a great idea. It's like, Hey, you should do this. You should do this. We've got something here. And, you know, and of course we start, he's, he's an amazing big thinker too, right? It's like, Hey, just, just like black rifle when Evan started doing coffee in his garage and look where they're at today. And like, you could do this with chewing tobacco. I'm like, Oh yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And I go back home and I, I advertise it out and I sold like 15 pounds of chewing tobacco, which is quite a bit when you package them in three yeah. ounce bags. And I did just enough research to get the answer that I wanted, right? Through the internet, through the Googles. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm legit. All I have to do is do this and this and I'm fine. And I go down to FedEx after I, I make this batch and I, I sold it all within like two days. And um, I go to ship it. So I'm at, down there with 15 pounds of packages. And I'm not talking like 15 packages. We're talking like 50 to 100 packages to mail. And um, the FedEx guy's like, okay, what's in these packages? And I'm, I don't lie, right? Yeah. Um, I'm like, tune tobacco. Oh, well, that's on the restricted to ship list. Like, that I have along with all this shit. I'm like, holy cow, like, really? It's just, I just made it in my hand. I'm just, I'm just mailing it to a bunch yeah. of buddies and this and that. Well, you know, you need to have a certain stamp. I'm like, well, how do I get that stamp? Well, you got to go do this. So then I go back home and I look into that. And in order to get that stamp, you got to get this stamp. And in order to get that stamp, you got to get approval from these government agencies. And I was like, oh my God, this yeah, is like tedious. Yeah. And they make it exceptionally hard to do that. And I don't know if it's because of, you know, tobacco lobbyists or whatever, whatever, but and then I, I contacted a person to help with the with um with all of that after hanging out with Bill again and again and he's like, Let's just do it, let's just do it. And uh it's like three to five years to get all of this done and it's an, an exorbitant amount of money to do it. And I'm just like, Hey, this is the barrier to entry is so significant, that's why people aren't doing it. And um so then I got discouraged and I was like, Ah, oh, well, fuck this then I'll figure something else out or I guess it won't go. And Bill says, well, and this is a, this is what a, a business mentor does. He's like, well, what are you trying to do? Like, I'm, I just want to help veterans, right? I'm getting tired of this and this. And he's like, okay, so you're trying to go from A to D by doing B and C. Why don't you get rid of B and C and just do D, turn it into B? He's something like that, right? I'm like, yeah. well, he's just, he said, just start a nonprofit. I'm like, oh, Jesus, start a nonprofit. There we go. That's exactly what I need to do, start a nonprofit. <laughs> And so I was reluctant. I drug my feet for a little while, a little over a year. And he just, he's just awesome. He just slow plays you and just lets you arrive. And then finally I started a nonprofit and it's been probably the best thing I've done uh, in this, in this space, right? Like business or helping others or doing things. And since I got out of the military, like it's just been so good. We're coming in, finishing up our uh, third year. And it's just growing and growing. I think we make we made it three years is like one of the hallmark things. Like, hey, if you can make it three years as a nonprofit, you're well on your way. Hit five year mark and you're in. Um, yeah. And we're I'm gonna brag a little bit about the people that we we were using because we're we're trying to minimize all overhead 
in 90, this year, 96 cents on every dollar went into a program. That's directly to support a veteran for that world. That's yeah. Everybody said you couldn't do it. You're not going to get over 90% and this and that. And you know what? The nonprofit space has a bad name largely because of um, wounded warriors and all this and that. And some of the um, fraud and and all these other things that went on with a lot of nonprofits. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to do this. Like, no, we should, we should go here, here. And I was like, Hey, no, I said 95% was going to do it. We hit it um, this year. So uh, ninety uh, last year actually our twenty twenty two but um, super stoked to say hey ninety six cents but it's it's by doing everything all volunteer everything low overhead no overhead like just and it's been great you know so I'm really really happy and uh, we're gonna organize more formal we'll, we'll probably dip down to about eighty five percent next year as we start to allocate funds to be able to increase our programs. And, you know, as things get bigger, you need more help and quality of free labor is exactly that. Right. And so by holding people accountable and getting good work and then having good infrastructure and technology set in place so that you can continue to grow for the sole reason of having greater reach to make greater impact. Um, and so if I can make 85 cents have, a three X amount of impact as yeah. 95 cents, it makes more sense to go 85% um, return to programs. So really yeah. excited by the big fish foundation, but that's how it started um, that way. And um, what we try to do is we're not trying to solve or fix veteran suicide, right? Like that's, that doesn't make sense. Um, we're yeah. trying to make a positive impact against it. Right. And so that's a very, very deliberate phrasing. Um, that's what we try to do. We endeavor to impact against veteran suicide. Um, and I think by framing it that way, it opens up the doors to how you're going to think and apply yourself and your efforts and who your audience is going to be. And so we were non-clinical. It's basically just leveraging me in the way I think um, very similar a la, you know, diesel days and stuff to veterans to help them find the tools to think and process when they're at a low and to organize themselves to, to get through those lows, mitigate the trough, the depth of the trough and, um, just invigorate and in how to look at life again. Um, and so I, I'm really, really having a good time with it. And, um, you know, how do you measure, how do you measure impact? Right? Like, Oh, because we sent this many emails because we raised this much money because we did this many programs. Like that's all quality quantitative, but you can't really put a number on the qualitative thing except, you know, through testimonials and whatnot. And, um, and if, you know, like, Hey, Oh, well you saved 50 lives this year. I, I don't know if you can say that because the, the, right. the individual didn't take their life. Like, so there's no real way of knowing, but right. you feel it, you feel yeah, it. And you can't discount that that feeling right well, and we're also not looking to um help so where i was going with non-clinical it's like hey i'll get people contacting like hey i'm you know i got a buddy he's getting ready to pull a trigger i'm like okay hey i'm not the resource yeah for that here is the resource for it um get them there but i also am still in your corner to help and i want to be there after that resource gets done checking their check in the box because right, I, we're yeah. not a check in the box right a lot of these other resources are hey i get my check in the box i helped i'm very short term i'm very acute correction yeah but there's very little follow through and so right. um trying to build skills and mindset strategies that 
you know, transfer into the follow through stage that help them through five and 10 years down the road. Um, and yeah, we don't, think- you know, I, I don't target the, um, there's a, there's a big stigma in the veteran community um, for reaching out for help. And partly because there's, there's the pride in, in all of this and whatnot going on. Um, then there's the fear of feeling weak or vulnerable, but also there's a, there's a, there's a handful of, of, of very, very small minority group of veterans that have the loudest voices and they give a stereotype that all veterans are broken, needy, clingy. Um, they like to take advantage of you. They have a great sense of entitlement, this, that, and it turns away a lot of high functioning veterans that are still struggling inside. And yeah. while they're man, it was a sergeant, sergeant major when I was going through some counseling, army sergeant major probably saved my life um, or, or allowed my life to be what it is today. This was about five years ago when I was going through some struggles. And um, he said, Hey, the fact that you're managing it is the problem. Hmm. And it's not going to go away. Don't try to solve it, but you need to accept that you need something that you're going to manage and you need to build resources and an infrastructure around you um, to help you through when you're having the greatest struggle managing, because that's when the problems happen. And so um, I've taken that approach with, with all of this to, to support veterans that are high functioning. You'd look at them because when, when, if, when have you heard somebody, Oh, they committed suicide. I expected that to happen. You don't, you don't really get there. Right. Right. Um, It's always, Oh, I never expected that. I didn't see it coming, but you know, now that I look at it, there was this sign and this sign and geez, it was so subtle and man, they've got a wonderful family. They got a wonderful life, a good job. They got a bunch of friends. They got some toys. I never saw that coming. And it's always the good ones. The ones that, are struggling in silence that um, we seek to help out. And, and we just try to, that's what we do. We try to bump the people that are high functioning to prevent them from finding themselves in a space where they can't function. And, yeah. and, and so we don't function, we don't focus on the people that can't function. We get them right. to resources that are better equipped, um, better trained. Practice. Like that is, mm. that is where they belong. It's such a, yeah. And it's, it's such a it's to stay in your lane, right? It's a stay in your yeah. lane mentality. And you find that that is not, I'm actually getting ready to record my own podcast tonight um, about that. <laughs> Something that frustrates me a lot is people that, Hey, you know what? The best thing that you could do right now is just shut the fuck up because what you're weighing in on is not even in your lane. And you're just, yeah. you know, you're just presenting opinions and you're actually doing more harm. You know, yeah. you're either turning people off or causing misinformation. And you know what? Like, stay in your fucking yes. lane, dude. Right. You know? Like, are you I'm sorry, seeking Tony, go ahead. to help or are you seeking to be heard? Yeah. 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 I mean, creating that distinction that you guys are not looking to cure, but simply affect, I think is so powerful. I mean, one of the reasons why I'm so drawn to the whole cause anyways, is suicide is a big thing for me. It's affected my whole life, many different places. I'm not a veteran, but even personally, I, I have obviously suffered through the, the chaos that is that, that thought process. And like one of the unfortunate problems of cure, it becomes very dismissive in nature. Right. And so for somebody who sits on the precipice that, you know, by all accounts has it all together, the last thing they're looking for is absolution, right? They're just looking for just just give me hope, right? And like there's a really good quote about that. And that is just that like it's essentially the absence of hope. And once that's gone, it's there. But nobody's looking for a cure. They're just looking for something to believe in. And I think that's a very powerful thing. And I'm glad that you know you referenced that. And I think if I can call more attention to that so people who are listening to this are like, oh. Right. Like it's not about it's not about solving 
you know, suicide. It's about giving people the opportunity to, to be aware and pose them to an alternative and let them take any degree of that path, right? Because that's very much the mission statement of the company that we, we see a world in which people do the things they do, not because they want to, but just because they don't know that there's another choice. And so if we can pose alternatives to them in their business and like in your situation and just their life in general, we believe that they will follow that alternative of their own volition. And that I think is so very powerful and important, especially for somebody who's dealing with something that's such an immense, you know, has a, an immense stigma around it, where it's hard to go ask for help. But like, it's much easier to be like, hey, how's it going? Right? Like, that's a very different sort of conversation. At least that's how I view it. Yeah, well, and it's easier to be dismissed when you are that high functioning person. You know, like even for a lot of people that do seek help, they're like, dude, you've got a great wife, a great family, make good money, live in a nice house. Like, go, go and let me allocate my time and energy to somebody with like real problems. And you're like, no, you don't get it. I I spent my whole life thinking that these would bring me the cure. These would bring me the resolution. And like, like Tony's saying, I'm all out of hope because like my life is better than I ever imagined it to be in so many ways. But this voice in the back of my head on my bad days is still the loudest thing that has ever happened. I mean, it's it's a rifle shooting right next to you. It's like a, a yeah. fucking turbine engine. It's nuts. You hit it right in the head, Chuck, man. It's it's yeah. a whole bunch of Band-Aids. And it's like, man, no matter how many yeah, Band-Aids like you're putting on with a hot wife, rich wife, you know, nice car, dogs, boat, vacations, like they're all – it's not quieting the internal bleeding that's going on. And you gotta, you gotta get after that. And, um, and like you said too, it's dismissive, you know, I know I got all that. Uh, Believe me, it's in my mind every night when I'm, when I go to bed, I have all this, but why am I still feeling the way I'm feeling? Like I'm, I'm struggling just to hold on. You know, I I think I did put it in my podcast. Um, the last one I recorded about, I was, I was sitting in a car wash and I just started crying, man. I got a text message from a buddy and it just triggered and he was struggling and, and I'm sharing and we're like, we're both sharing the same exact things, even though they're different, they're manifesting differently. And, and it's just like the conversation was, yeah, I'm just laying down in the bottom of the trench right now. I'm just hmm. laying down in the bottom of the trench, holding on as hard as I can. My knuckles are white. I'm, I'm just, when am I going to, when, when, when am I going to lose the grip? And I'm just holding on. And when, as soon as somebody's looking, I stand up, I stand up and I, Play the I game. look good. I do that, and then as soon as nobody's looking, it's like, man, I'm I'm just bottomed out again at the bottom of the trench, just barely holding on. And I don't want to do that, you know. I want to give people opportunities to relax their grip, never let go, but to be able to relax it and to understand it and to know, like, hey, everything you're experiencing is absolutely normal. And yeah. the more people that tell you that I need to fix you, it submits somehow that. You're broken. You're wrong. You're, you need to get fixed. And what you're not, what you're experiencing is not normal. And it's the exact, there's, there's a a dissonance, a cognitive dissonance that happens inside of somebody that's struggling when they're saturated by those, those external or outside voices. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a big one. And I think that like, it's getting people to understand that they can partner with hope and they don't have to partner with death is such a compelling and profound thing where like we, you know, unfortunately I hope nobody's ever gets there, but I, the amount of people who I do know are at that point where they're just like the only logical partner I have left in the absence of all this hope. So 
Uh, I guess there are more there are more people that you look at every single day that you know that you have intimate relationships with that are closer to what we're talking about than you would yeah. ever imagine. You know, yeah. and not all to mention us. strangers. I mean, yeah. I mean, all of us, it's one of the reasons I think a lot of us are compelled to coaching and helping, right? It's, it's our ability to believe in other people. And so it, it lets us partner with that. And that, that hope allows us to overlook the, the avoidance of our own hope. Yeah. I suppose the own abandon, the own, our own abandonment of our own hope. And, and I think that's, I'm not saying it's a mark of a great coach, but I can for sure say that that, that definitely gives way to some degree of surgical compassion. There is some uh, statistical significance to like great coaches, regardless of the context that like, that's a piece of the execution. They're like, I want to care for you in a way that I wish somebody would care for me, but I don't know how to ask for that. Right. Mm, that's cool. Mm. Hey, I just want to let everybody know that's, that's listening and not watching that um, Chuck has changed his outfit twice. He's taking his glasses <laughs> off. He's I'm moving to, to three that. different locations he was in an office he was outside on some wicker swinging sex it's an toy egg chair. and now he's someplace else i have no idea where he's at now but the the, guy is... in the bedroom now so the uh they... he's gone to bed he's taking us all to bed with him. <laughs> they came in to finish a piece of the flooring that they were waiting on some like extra edge pieces so i got shut down in the office and then i went outside and there's like landscapers at the park right on the other side of the Afraid that like the fucking the weed eater and the blower That's would like your story. Be stick to it. We're, stick to we're it. so used to getting viewer. tours of Chuck's house on on Zoom calls. As Chuck regularly just takes his laptop working. Well, just, yeah, I think, I'm always trying to escape noise. Before uh, Pat called, yeah. an apropos line for the entire conversation. I'm just <laughs> trying to escape the noise. Yeah, for sure. So. Um, while Let's Chuck talk about is now the before we run out of time. Yeah, that yeah. was my strategic yeah. uh, conversation shifter. <laughs> yeah. So not only do you care about this so much, you actually got this bright fucking idea that you and another future guest that I plan to bring on here, who is equally as fascinating as you are, Chris, um, you, get, you both get this bright fucking idea to row a boat across the whole fucking ocean. Would you care to elaborate on this, this yeah. endeavor of yours so people can understand the mind? Of the crooked butterfly, please. Yeah. In Chris's defense to save his marriage, he, he it was not his idea and he was yeah, very yeah. reluctant to do this, right? Um, no, actually, we were approached by um, a couple other team guys and uh, they had this thing that they wanted to do this Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge. Um, and they decided they were going to do it as a two person team, but then they said, you know, um, no all-American team has ever been on the podium for this race, this international race. And the best way to do it is in a team of four. That's the big category team of four. Yeah. Let's find two other suckers to do this with. And so they reached out to a couple um, mutual connections. And Chris and, our, Chris and my name came up a couple times. And so um, – and it's something along the lines, who's crazy enough, stupid enough, but has some modicum of talent and, and mental fortitude to, to undertake this. Uh, and so we got on a call and this is two years and two months ago that we got on the first call to be interviewed, to be on their team. And um, Chris and I were accepted, which was a, a really cool surprise because I didn't know Chris was on the on the list Oh wow! until that is cool. uh, we got on a, on a video call which was neat. He likes to keep secrets that he's doing cool shit for me. So well, I, mean, I don't do them too. Right? The guy for that, right? I mean. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I like to keep secrets from him that I'm doing cool shit. 
yeah, I, I love Chris. Chris is I'm so close. In fact, that's how we met. Andrea, Chris's wife, was running the yes. fan experience at the games yep. in Carson, and I was helping out as a liaison for headquarters. You're right. Yeah, that's and, uh, it. Good friends with Andrea and Chris at the time, and that's how you and I met. Um, yeah, at the fan experience. Big Funny fan how of them as well. Circles from amazing. Yeah. Both Andrea's. You know, I wish people had the opportunity to get to know Andrea or hear about Andrea as much as they hear about Chris because she is equally, if not more talented in different ways than, than Chris. And they make such an exceptional power couple. Um, CrossFit Trident out in Alexandria, the two of them and Misha's coffee and Trident mindset. And man, they just, they are two individuals that come together and they're the, the sum is greater than the whole or whatever that phrase is like, and they, they do so much good for the world, the energy that they put out. But um, anyways, tenacity is a good word for them. What's that? Tenacity is a good word for that yeah. couple. They have a great dynamic. They're fantastic. Um, Super complimentary. So by, by August, the dogist is out that yeah. broke my heart. But yeah. uh, anyway, so there's a part of this story, which I think is funny because I was talking to Chris about this when I was down there. So you guys are planning to get across the ocean in like, what, like 30 days or something like that? Isn't it like some crazy yeah. thing? Uh, f- so we want to be, we want first place. We want to put the American yeah. flag um, on the podium on top of the podium Um, and to do that as for veterans, because veterans in an ultra endurance team community, like they actually tend to do poorer, more poor, more poorer, more poorly than, you know, mix of civilian counterparts and veterans or just all civilians. It's, it's, it's it's interesting. Uh, There's a lot of reasons why probably, but um, so we want to do that and all veteran team three, um, Navy SEAL dudes and myself um, row across the Atlantic Ocean. Probably for first place, we're looking at maybe 33 days, 35 days, depending on weather. Um, unsupported, so everything that you're going to live on and off of is self-contained on your vessel. The boat's 25 and a half feet long, five feet, a couple inches wide. There's less than a hundred square feet of actual space for four people to live and move around on um we're gonna row two hours on two hours off two people at a time non-stop um potentially going three up instead of two up um for 33 plus days um it'd be nice if we got some strong winds and waves and we could do it in 28 days but um the story as i heard it as it applies this and maybe it's maybe it's just hearsay but according to chris uh your response to the record was when you needed to get in there in 30 days your response was something to the effect of let's just bring 28 days worth of food then 100 percent. that is the most fucking tosh thing (laughs) that i have ever heard in my life i died he was like so now we're bringing like 28 days worth of food on this (laughs) that's the plan well we're we're required by uh race regs to take 55 days um yeah but I'll be jettisoning. I'll be jettisoning. You, I'm uh, just saying you'd be the one who's like, well, if we got to do it in 30 days, let's take 28 days worth of food. Now we got no choice. There's, there is that was no my immediate. That was my immediate yeah. response. Burn the ships, right? Like burn yeah. the ships, um, burn the boats, I think is the phrase, but mm. uh, I, there's something there, right? Like it's a mindset thing. Uh, when you have a plan B, your tendency to stick to plan A um, is sabotaged by your mind's mind. You know, um, when I was in the shipping container and, you know, trying to mentor the other other three guys on how to be super successful and they want to bring a sleeping bag into the shipping container. And it's like, yeah, hey, bring it in there. Why? Why are you bringing it in? But understand that 
if you bring it in there, you've just weakened yourself to the temptation to use it. And if you're in the sleeping mm-hmm. bag, guess what you're not doing? You're not accomplishing the mission. And so it's, it's a mindset thing. It's the way I'm wired. Um, but yeah, 28, I think it was 25 days because anybody can go yeah. two days without food. I think I said more yeah. than 25 <laughs> days. <laughs> and then, none of these other people in this boat are, are lacking in fitness. Like Chris regularly runs super ultra races, like all, and they all do. And, and then this asshole's like, fuck it. Let's just bring 25 days of food. And they were all like, what did he do? Yeah. I mean, they, everybody knew you were dead serious. That that story to me was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, and I've known Brian and Jim at that point for about twelve minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's crazy son of a bitch. Yeah, no, well, I mean, and Chris, man, I'll tell you what, Chris had neck surgery. Man, he had four vertebra fused or done something in his neck. Like, and he's might be in better shape right now than I've seen yeah. him in the last five years. He's really, and you know, when we say better shape, like what is, what is being in shape like for a rowing yeah. endeavor, right? Like all of our, well, not all of our, but my strength, Chris's strength is just plummeted, but our endurance yeah. and our resiliency for repetitive movement has gone through the roof, but you have me doing anything and they joke about it in the yard. I bring guys up all the time. People that I mentor is like, Hey, we're gonna do some yard work today. I'll, I'll give you guys 20 bucks an hour. We're going to move some rocks or chop some trees. And, <laughs> and they always joke and like, Oh, you're going to do this row. How come you're out of breath and you need to take a break every 10 minutes. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm in rowing. Sh- I am in rowing shape. That is it. Yeah. Um, just walking up a hill just wears my ass out nowadays. Yeah, that's a, that's a hell of an endeavor. I have no doubt you'll pull it off. Um, how do people support this endeavor? How can they get more involved if they're listening to this? Yeah, um, we have a website, teamshutupandrow.com, um, all lowercase spelled out. Uh, you can go on there. I'm, I'm, it's on my to-do list of to update that thing. Um, you can get to it through the Big Fish Foundation, www.bigfishfoundation.org. Um, we're, uh, we're rowing to champion for the big fish foundation. So black rifle gave us $150,000 rogue fitness gave us a hundred thousand dollars. Um, a couple other donors have, have provided XIT ranch, um, uh, between, between XIT ranch and a bunch of others, you know, almost another hundred thousand dollars concept twos in our corner. Um, uh, X endurance is in our corner. And then we have some world-class, um, Eric Quorum with AIM-7, uh, he's this, I don't even know what he does, but he studies human performance um, for collegiate teams and um, professional football teams. We've got Angus Collins, who is a two-time world record holder at this race um, as our campaign manager and our coach. And we've got um, one of his teammates doing all of our physical training um, for us, all of our road training um in requisite uh core strength training for the row all in our corner man so we're, we're trying to line up we got a bunch of nutritionists i've got cassandra hobart as my nutritionist um to, to, there's so many facets to be successful at, yeah. on, on this stage at this level and um so you can get on, get on there. The across the ocean do we mean you can't just uh, yeah. you just say hey, right. we got this <laughs> i do crossfit What's cool is that all of these people are getting together and, and, and donating um, money and time and, and expertise, and we're doing it to champion for the Big Fish Foundation. So big giant Big Fish Foundation on the back of our boat with a QR code that, that gets you to the portals. Um, so just hit those, and you can, you can learn a little bit more. We'll have live tracking, and I'll announce that through our, our social media so that you can track us live. 
where you're going to do a fundraiser. Team Shut Up and Row is going to do a fundraiser across Veterans Day uh, week this year. And I'm actually in the works of getting ready to send an email out to CrossFit affiliate owners and affiliates that mm-hmm. I know that I have a relationship with and see if we can um, do that through the CrossFit community. And so um, we'll, we'll log meters together over um, Veterans Day week. Um, got some prizes um, and some and some stuff out to raise money for the Big Fish Foundation. Concept two is going to do an online with their online community. Um, they're going to do a fundraiser for us when we reach our halfway point. Um, cool. So you can check out uh, concept two as well for for that. That'll be in G- uh, January. Uh, the boat we 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 launched the race December twelfth, depending on weather. Um, so we'll halfway right around uh, New Year's. Yeah. What is the total distance of that? It's Thirty. We're just calling it 3,000 nautical miles. It's like 32 or 3,300 miles, depending on your route, you know, so it's a, it's a long one. Sweet. Well, listen, I think that that's a good place to kind of wrap this one up because I think we got a good insight into the mind of Tosh, but I think I speak for all of us on here that I'd love to have you back on so we could deep dive some of that, that paradigm shifting and shattering mindset of yours. Um, I just wanted to give people an insight into who you are as a person. I don't want to take up your whole day because we'll be on this thing until like four o'clock in the afternoon, gladly. But um, if there's anything else you want to add that is incredibly important that you would like to get to shine a light on, uh, let us know. Um, but otherwise. No, man, I just appreciate the opportunity to share. Um, I appreciate how how you all value me. It means a lot. Um, and I'm just grateful that uh, you and I crossed paths, Tony, and, and then and Chuck subsequently um, through, man, a long time ago, almost 15 years ago now, probably, yeah. at least 12. Oh, shit. We're like yeah. dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you now, for uh, the dude that you are in doing what you're doing. It is for sure much needed good work in the world. Thanks, Chuck. Yeah. yeah. If we can get you out there more, we'll get you out there more. But again, I think I speak for everybody who's listening to this. At least I hope that we find you very fascinating. We're very grateful mm-hmm. that person like you exists in this ecosystem that they have access to. And so if you are listening to this, um, I would implore you to essentially one, follow up and take action on the diesel days thing. I think it'll be a benefit of anybody who touches it and then also get involved as much as possible with the crooked butterfly um, and follow the man, the myth, the legend himself on Instagram. Is that the best way for them to follow you? Yeah, I think Instagram is the only social media outlet that I try to use. Um, Tosh.CrookedButterfly, and then uh, our business account is Crooked Butterfly, and yeah. then we have Big Fish underscore Foundation. So um, we'll throw all, all the, the show notes. All, yeah, all the links will go in the show notes for all of that stuff. So I, I think there's Facebooks. Butterfly. I think there's Facebooks and LinkedIn's and stuff too. But I just I just uh, contracted the guy on the manage, manage yeah. that stuff because I don't have enough time to just do those that that, that one platform with trying to the last focus energy on impact. You know. The last question we all need to know is how did Crooked Butterfly come to exist? Oh, a couple different stories in the background that kind of aligned, but um, I think the short answer is butterflies, they don't fly in straight lines and they're very, very subject to the moods of, of nature and the environment around them. And uh, their flight is imperfect, but they're exceptionally beautiful. And I think people people have been indoctrinated maybe or influenced to think that their lives have to be straight towards a goal yeah. and 
and when the when the wind blows and they find themselves in a different direction they become lost or they feel that they're not doing what they need to be doing and it and it's a great opportunity for them to find um dissatisfaction in their life when in fact it's absolutely beautiful and it's absolutely natural that your path through life is what it is it it meanders and it goes where it goes and and to be present with your journey um you know the destination is is interesting um but the destination the, but the journey is essential that was the explanation that I hoped you'd give because that gave the most accurate exploration of the breadth and the depth that is the crooked butterfly Tosh himself. So uh, I guess we can wrap the show up there. Again, I thank you for being on here. Obviously, I love you like a brother. Thanks for being here, but we're going to do it again, I feel like. Right on, man. Good to see you guys. Thank you very much. Nice meeting you. Thank you, my friend, for listening to the Fitfiliate podcast. If you would be interested in hopping on a free call with us, to just kind of chat about what you think your problems are and what you think the gap is between where you're at and where you want to go. We can see if maybe we can help you along that journey, figure out if we're all a good fit to do some sweet things together. So click the link, set up a consult. Let's help you identify some problems that we can mutually solve.